What's happening, y'all? Welcome inside the Fantasy Stock Exchange. Bush coming at you solo today to break down my 2023 Rookie Dynasty Draft Pick Stock Watch. Basically, what we're going to be doing today, I'm sure if you guys clicked on this video, you have a lot of 2023 Rookie Picks. I'm basically going to break down a Stock Watch slash State of the Union on each position group in the 2023 NFL Draft as it relates to Dynasty Fantasy Rookie Drafts and how the class is developing so we get a sense of the pockets of value within the Rookie Draft developing. And for example, you know, you know, my team needs quarterbacks. Is it a good quarterback class? My team needs running backs. Is it a good running back class? Is the position top heavy? Is it deep? Is there a good tier two at each position? I will cover all of that stuff in today's video. If you guys know nothing about the 2023 rookie draft, I should be able to inform you to a high level in this video. If you guys get some value from this video, if you feel like you learned something, leave a like down below, subscribe to the channel. If you are new around here, we're covering everything redraft, everything dynasty over here at the fantasy stock exchange. Really appreciate if you hit the subscribe button, comment any of your thoughts down below as well. Who's been your biggest riser, your biggest faller of the college football season. But before we get into it, let's hit the intro. going to start with the quarterback position because in super flex leagues, this is the position that carries the most value. I myself am doing a mid-season startup draft right now, and I think we're at about pick 12 right now, and like nine of the first 12 picks have been quarterbacks. So the quarterback position, when you can hit on it, when you get yourself a Mahomes, a Herbert, you know, a Justin Fields who we're seeing materialize this year, those guys tremendously, tremendously spike in value, which is why rookie drafts remain the cheapest place that you can get elite quarterback production. Because if you want to go out and trade for Justin Herbert right now, or my, uh, Patrick Mahomes right now, or Josh Allen, or Kyler Murray, Lamar Jackson, whoever, it's going to cost you an arm and a leg. So what we want to do is scout these guys in the rookie draft process as best as we possibly can. Hopefully we can hit big on these players and they can be huge staple points of our rosters going forward. So coming into the year, this quarterback class was, you know, semi known, right? We, we knew what we expected out of the top two guys. We had Alabama's Bryce Young and Ohio State's CJ Stroud. I'm going to try not to dwell on the players that we've already talked about in rookie drafts and rookie mock drafts that I've done so far, but Bryce Young records a 90.6 PFF passing grade right now, fifth in the country, 24 to four touchdown to interception ratio, 8.1 yards per attempt. He's having a great season despite losing his top two wide receivers in last year's NFL draft with Jamison Williams and John Mechie, who both tore their ACLs and haven't played in the NFL yet, but they were both great players in college. And to be honest, he really doesn't have a ton of dominant pass catchers there outside of his main running back in Jameer Gibbs. So Bryce Young has clearly done what he needs to do to hold the top quarterback spot for me. CJ Stroud for Ohio State, 35 to four touchdown to interception ratio, much better weapons around him than what Bryce Young is dealing with. He's got two future high, high draft picked wide receivers with Amika Abuka and uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba, who hasn't really played much this year, who is going to be talked about in the wide receiver section. And then he also has potentially a transcendent Jamar Chase, Julio Jones caliber prospect with Marvin Harrison Jr. who's having a phenomenal season. So CJ Stroud clearly has the pass catching weapons. Even still, he is locked in to a super, super high NFL draft pick. You guys can see I'm going to be using NFL mock draft database for all of my like draft capital related takes in this video. So if you guys want to check out their site, they have a, a ton of, of mock drafts going on throughout the industry. You guys can see that Bryce Young and CJ Stroud have consistently been top four overall picks. They've really not wavered from the beginning of August 
all the way till now at the end of November. So the big question to be answered coming into the season, and it's still the biggest question now, is, okay, we know about Bryce Young. We know about C.J. Stroud. The question is, how deep is this quarterback class? How many first-round quarterbacks are we going to potentially get? Will there be a you know, Zach Wilson, like we saw in 2021, a Kenny Pickett, like we saw last year, a Joe Burrow, who we saw in 2020, who emerges from being a mid-round quarterback or maybe even an undrafted quarterback to eventually become a first-round quarterback to make the class a lot better, or at least, you know, for our rookie picks' sake, make our rookie picks more valuable. Because the more first-round quarterbacks there is, the more valuable our rookie picks are. Because if there's quarterbacks going off the board, A, that gives us a chance to hit on quarterback, and B, that pushes running backs, wide receivers, and tight ends down the board. So the first two names that we're going to talk about in this quarterback class are Will Levis, who is consensus-wise the third quarterback coming into the season. I would say he probably still is the third quarterback right now. He was the not, the guy that we knew about coming in, right? He was a guy that we expected, you know, he's a good prospect. He's a guy that could take a step forward this year. He's got the size. He's got the arm talent. He's got the mobility. The out-of-structure plays are intriguing. People compared him to, you know, Josh Allen caliber player. PFF passing grade right now, though, of 66.1. He has a 17 to 10 touchdown to interception ratio, and the Kentucky football team is six and five. So, in my opinion, he has failed to take a very needed step as a player because you also have to consider the fact that Will Levis is 23 years old. He's an older prospect. He should be dominating as a senior quarterback, and we're not necessarily seeing that from him. Still, though, if you guys look at his NFL mock draft database, and right here I have him compared to Hendon Hooker, who I will talk about in a second, he's still consistently going inside the first round. You can see he has pretty much not wavered from being a first-round quarterback, a first-round overall draft pick throughout this entire season. Now, maybe we see that start to tail off because he has struggled in recent weeks, but I still think the NFL is high on him. Everything we've heard from people who are connected to the league, who have in-depth sources saying that, you know, this team is high on Will Levis or the NFL in general is high on Will Levis. That hasn't really wavered despite his poor play. So he's probably still going to be, you know, a late first round pick or a mid first round pick. Who knows? Maybe he even goes, you know, in the top 10 as we get throughout the senior bowl and the draft process and all that kind of stuff. But I would say, you know, stock down overall on Will Levis because he was expected to take a big time step forward and it hasn't necessarily happened yet. Hendon Hooker was this year's, you know, Kenny Pickett, this year's Zach Wilson, this year's Joe Burrow, the guy that came out of nowhere. Not a lot of people knew about Hendon Hooker coming into the season. Again, another overage prospect. He is about like 23, 24 years old. At this point in time, he was performing at a high level throughout this year with a big win against Alabama a couple of weeks ago, a Heisman contending season so far, third highest graded quarterback, according to pro football focus in the country, 9.1 yards per attempt, a 27 to two touchdown to interception ratio. His stock was really on the rise to the point that we were thinking, hey, we might have our fourth first round quarterback on our hands here. This is going to make our rookie picks a lot more valuable, especially towards the back end of the first round. It's going to push some better prospects down. Unfortunately, Hendon Hooker just tore his ACL. As I'm recording this on Monday, he tore his ACL. It was announced yesterday that he tore it. It's not the end of the world for a quarterback because it's not necessarily something that's going to impact his explosiveness or whatever long, long term, as we've seen from quarterback positions. It's a lot more worrisome for running backs and wide receivers. But what it does impact, which is going to in turn impact his dynasty value, is where he gets drafted. Draft capital is the single most important input for a quarterback profile in a dynasty setting, right? Because we know that first round quarterbacks get the opportunity to start games. Ergo, they get the opportunity to hold their jobs long-term, get extended uh, to a second contract and all that good stuff. When you're a second, a third round quarterback, it's a big, big time drop-off, which is why we dropped off you know, Malik Willis and Matt Corral and all these guys that slid outside of the first round in last year's quarterback class. If teams no longer view Hendon Hooker as a first round quarterback because of this injury, then you got to basically 
chalk it up to your first round pick just losing some value. Because if you guys have, you know, some 110s, some 111s, some 112s, Hennon Hooker was going to be a guy that probably worked his way into that area. And even if you didn't want to draft him, it increased the value of your pick because you could eventually trade it to somebody who did want to get a quarterback. And this position just got weaker with this injury to Hennon Hooker. So definitely stock down on the QB position overall. The rest of the class, I'll just briefly go over the names. There's three more interesting names in this class. Anthony Richardson, many have speculated that he's going to go back to school because he needs a lot of development. If he were to be a first-round quarterback, he would dramatically increase the value of fantasy picks towards the later half or even mid-part mid of the first round because he's a dual-threat quarterback, and we know that's very valuable for fantasy. It's similar to what Malik Willis would have represented had he gone in the first round last year. The only difference between you know Anthony Richardson versus Malik Willis is that we have an SEC quarterback versus a Liberty quarterback. It's still you know not great statistically, 55% completion percentage for Anthony Richardson, 14 to 8 touchdown to interception ratio. It's not inspiring. I can't imagine NFL teams will spend more than a day two pick on the guy should he come out in the NFL draft. What I think is going to happen is I think he's going to go back to school and make the 2024 quarterback class just that much better. The guy that I'm really interested in as a sleeper this year is KJ Jefferson, who's the Arkansas quarterback right now. He is my pick for sleeper quarterback of the process because he's built like Justin Fields. He's built like a, a slightly bigger Jalen Hurts, and he's winning high-profile games against good teams like Ole Miss this past week, a 20-3 to touchdown-to-interception ratio, 87.3 PFF passing grade, which ranks top 12 in the country right now, 577 and six touchdowns on the ground as well because he's a very interesting dual-threat type of quarterback good for fantasy if he were to get some decent draft capital, but if not, he's worth a shot in the mid rounds of the rookie drafts right now. He's not going to be going in the first round without some dramatic improvement in his draft stock, either via the offseason process at you know the combine and all that kind of stuff, or maybe he closes out the season really strong and he's able to sneak his way into the back end of the first round conversations. There's some other names that I don't really want to talk about, Tanner McKee and Jaron Hall. None of these dudes are moving the needle on this class unless we hear anything about them team or about teams coveting them as first round quarterbacks. So Overall, when we look at the landscape, the state of the union on the quarterback class this year, I would say stock down overall in the position because nobody has clearly, clearly stepped up as a locked and loaded, you know, first round quarterback. We were expecting it was either going to be Will Levis or Hennon Hooker due to the injury with Hooker. Probably not going to happen as much now. And Will Levis has struggled. So definitely stock down overall on the quarterback position in general. If you guys are in need of quarterback play and you're in a long-term rebuild or whatever, I would suggest punting until next year. So let's move on to the running back position. And man, Oh man, has this class showed out this year. I've talked about how big of a seismic shift I expect the running back starters across the league to see as a result of this running back draft class and as well this running back free agent class because we also have guys like you know, Josh Jacobs and David Montgomery and Tony Pollard and Alexander Madison, a bunch of great free agent running backs to go along with a great running back draft class. As far as I can see, there's roughly like 10 to 14 NFL running back jobs that are not up for grabs, right? They're guys that they have, you know, young, talented running backs on rookie contracts or high-paced or high-priced veteran running backs on big contracts. So I have 11 listed here. If you guys want to see them there, there's Nick Chubb, you know, Swift and Williams in Detroit, AJ Dillon in Green Bay, Jonathan Taylor in Indianapolis, Jaguars have Travis Etienne, Saquon in, in New York, Brees and Carter in uh, with the Jets, Steelers have Najee Harris, who they spent the first round pick on. The 49ers traded for Christian McCaffrey. The Seahawks have Kenneth Walker. The Buccaneers have a combination of Rashad White and Leonard Fournette because of his contract. But you could probably also add guys like Ramondre Stevenson to this list, Damian Pierce to this list, as, as far as locking down their team's jobs. But 
there's definitely some jobs that will get filled by free agents. There's definitely some jobs that are going to be up for grabs with this running back draft class. And I'm not going to waste any more time talking about how good Bijan Robinson is, but he is clearly the transcendent running back prospect that we have not seen really since Jonathan Taylor, since Saquon Barkley, since, you know, maybe before that, even like a Todd Gurley type and Adrian Peterson type and Ezekiel Elliott type. We're talking upper echelon caliber running back prospect with Bijan Robinson. He's going to go top 15 according to these mock drafts, peaking at inside the top five overall picks at some point. So Bijan Robinson's going to take someone's job. He's going to be an 80 plus 90% snap share running back the second he's in the NFL. So he's clearly the, the crown jewel of this running back class, the crown jewel of this draft class period as the 2023 101, pretty much since his freshman season. But then we also have the battle for RB2, which is Jameer Gibbs from Alabama and Sean Tucker from Syracuse. These two guys have both had great seasons so far. They looked as advertised. I expect both of these guys, once they're drafted, assuming they get good draft capital, to be top 10 to 12 dynasty running backs the second they're in the NFL. Each guy has one major concern. Jameer Gibbs checks a lot of boxes. He's explosive. He's elusive. He has 47 uh, targets so far on the season with a PFF receiving grade of 80.0. So he is clearly a great receiving back as well. His profile looks a lot like DeAndre Swift when he was coming out of Georgia. The only issue I have with Jameer Gibbs is how big is he, right? If he cracks that 205 to 208 range at 5'11 or whatever he's going to weigh in at, then I don't have any issues spending a top six overall pick on this guy. But we now have two coaching staff, Georgia Tech, who he played for his first two years, and Alabama this year, who refused to give him a workhorse role. Now, Alabama statistically is not going to give any running back a workhorse role, but I'm just thinking size is probably the reason why they're not giving him a huge share of the touches. And then Sean Tucker, he has prototype size, five foot 10, 210 pounds. He's got track speed. He was a track athlete in high school. Workhorse uses at Syracuse. And what's crazy about him is that he actually has 51 targets. He's out-targeting Jameer Gibbs on the season at over an 18% target share. Now, he's not actually as good of a receiving back as Jameer Gibbs is when you watch the tape. His PFF receiving grade is sub-60, so he's pretty much getting force-fed the ball in his offense because he's clearly the best player there. But it is important knowing that he has that kind of target share, that kind of production in the receiving game, and it is not a fluke. He is a good receiving back. He's just not as good as Gibbs uh, is in that part of the game. They, these guys represent a very strong middle part of round one. And I would say if you're looking for like a stock up, stock down, these guys represent, you know, a stock neutral or a stock up potentially stock very much high on these top three running backs. You're going to get an absolute stud if you get one of these three running backs in your rookie drafts. Then we get into the battle for RB4, RB5, RB6, RB7. And man, there is a lot, a lot of names in contention. All these guys have shown that I'm about to name that they're legitimate tier two caliber prospects in this class or tier three caliber prospects. If you want to count the, the RB two and three as their own tier that we haven't really had in the past couple draft classes. Cause if we think about last year's draft class, we had Brees Hall, we had Kenneth Walker. Those guys were the tier one running backs and there wasn't really a clear RB three, right? At points we thought it might be Isaiah Spiller. Then we thought, you know, maybe it's Damian Pierce. Then it was James Cook and Brian Robinson, all these guys that we were thinking of. And then two years ago we had Javante Williams, Najee Harris and Travis Etienne as the consensus top three running backs, but no real top tier second, you know, second round, mid to late second round, early third round caliber running backs. You had guys like Michael Carter, you had guys like Ramondre Stevenson, but there was no real consensus on the tier two, which is why I love this running back class because there's a number, a number of names in the mid to late second round, early third round caliber talent range. And the first guy is Blake Corum, who's a Heisman front runner right now. Not sure why he isn't going higher right now in mock drafts. You guys can see he's going at around pick 95. I think he should be going way higher than that because we got, you know, five foot eight, 210 pound running back. He's got good size, breaking away constantly for long runs. He's scoring touchdowns. He's catching passes when he gets chances because he is splitting a backfield 
with Donovan Edwards. I think he's just a very solid day two running back, in my opinion. He has a high, high grade on PFF right now, 96.0. He's the highest graded running back in the country right now. I think this is a clear, you know, in contention for the RB4 in the class, the RB5 in the class. And for those of you guys that have late first round picks or early second round picks or mid second round, picks, you're going to love these type of guys, right? These Blake Corums of this class. These guys are very, have the potential to be very, very productive, get drafted very highly. And you don't have to spend, you know, a top eight overall rookie pick on these guys because the class is showing to be deeper than I initially anticipated coming into the season. We also have a guy like Zach Evans, who we thought coming into the year would be the workhorse of all Miss. Of course, Quinchon Judkins, who's the freshman phenom, going to be probably the 101 of the 2025 class, is absolutely an, like an aberration of a good player. So Zach Evans is splitting a backfield with a very talented running back, but he's five foot eleven. He's 212 pounds. He's a solid receiver, good feet, another solid day two running back that should get you know top 64 type of draft capital. Then we have Devon A-Chain, who's another guy in this group, talented sophomore, splitting the backfield alongside Isaiah Spiller last year. This year, we've seen him take over the full workload, and that's resulted in him losing a bit of that efficiency that we saw from him. The question for him, similar to Gibbs, but even more so, is how big is the dude? Because he's 185 pounds listed on the Texas A&M website, and he does look small, but he's probably the fastest player in the draft, and we know NFL teams are coveting speed. Day two draft capital is probably a lock for this guy just because of how explosive he is. So Devon A-Chain, another guy that's going to fit his way into that early to mid, maybe to late second round rookie pick range. And your second round rookie picks are looking a lot better now as opposed to what they were looking like four to five weeks ago. Tank Bigsby, his draft capital is a bit of a question mark right now, but an 89.0 PFF run grade, which is top 12 in the country right now, 38 targets so far this year. It's unfortunate that Auburn is not a good team. They aren't good at all, and this team's kind of an eyesore to watch. But Bigsby strikes me as somebody who can rise into that day two conversation with a good combine as people delve more into the film as the mainstream media guys talk about him more because the kid can play. He's just in a bad situation, similar to what we saw from Damian Pierce last year, similar to what we saw from Cam Akers in 2020. You could see when you just watch Tank Bigsby, you isolate the rest of the offense away from him. You just watch Tank Bigsby for Auburn. He can play, and the NFL teams are going to realize that. Then we also have a guy like Zach Charbonnet, who's solid as a rock, could have draft capital concerns for him too, but he's having a great senior season. Third highest graded running back right now, according to PFF, only behind Blake Corum and Bijan Robinson, 7.3 yards per carry, 13 touchdowns, 79.5 PFF receiving grade as well, 37 targets on the year, just a very well-rounded player. And I have a feeling I'm going to be much higher on Zach Charbonnet than most. And then the final one of these tier two, three type of uh, running backs is Kendra Miller from TCU. Probably one of the biggest risers so far this season. Over 1,000 uh, rushing yards on the year, 100 rushing yards per game, 14 touchdowns, not overly involved as a receiver, but he's climbed into this tier three, tier two fringe group because of how productive he's been. I could pretty much spend all day talking about the individual players in this running back group, but I'll save you the semantics. You think I'm done talking about these guys? Kenny McIntosh, Chase Brown, Israel Abaconda, Deuce Vaughn, Roshan Johnson, all these dudes. There's still more running backs to talk about. This class is extremely, extremely deep. It's going to be full of day three dart throws as well. So if you've got a team right now devoid of running back talent, maybe you drafted two elite quarterbacks, a bunch of wide receivers, and then you punted the rest of your players, got a lot of picks in this class, you are going to be very, very pleasantly surprised to throw a bunch of late first, early second round, mid second round, late second round, early third round, mid third round picks at this running back class because we talked about avoiding running backs as potentially the best strategy that you could have deployed in last year's startups. This is why, because we knew this 2023 class was going to be very top heavy with Bijan, with Gibbs, with Tucker, with the guys at the top, very middle heavy and very deep with Corums and Charbonnets and A-Chains and all these guys. And also a lot of great day three guys as well. So big time, big time stock up on those mid 
to late first round picks that you can be spending on running backs, those early to mid second round picks that you guys can be spending on running backs. If you have a lot of picks in this draft and you are devoid of running back talent, you will be very, very pleasantly surprised. So now let's move on to the wide receiver position. Now, to me, there was a big three coming into the year. We had USC's Jordan Addison. We had Ohio State's Jackson Smith and Jigba. And we had LSU's Kayshawn Boutte. These were the consensus top three running uh, wide receivers coming into the year. We also had some people who like Quentin Johnston, who I'm going to get to in a second. A couple other guys that were you know rising on in the process. But of the three top guys that were consensus, Jordan Addison is the one who has looked as advertised. He's dealt with some injuries here and there, but he came back with a vengeance this past week. For against UCLA, he went 11 for 178 in the touchdown. Of course, he had the Bolitnikoff season with Pittsburgh last year. He transfers to USC, and he's pretty much not missed a beat. He is a guy that I think is a consensus top 15 overall draft pick. NFL teams are going to love this team. I tweeted out on Saturday night uh, when he was playing UCLA that this guy is basically Chris Olave and Devontae Smith with a better analytics profile. They're the same exact type of players. They're separators. They're slender receivers, but they can run routes. They can get open. They can make play- big plays happen, and they're good athletes. The difference between Addison and those two other guys, though, is that those guys were not early declares. They were seniors, so analytics bros were not as high on those players. Jordan Addison is a true junior, won a Bolitnikoff Award as a true sophomore. Analytics and film guys are all going to come together on Jordan Addison to me. He is the safest receiver upcoming in this draft. JSN, Jackson Smith, and Jigba, he has been hurt all year, right? He could have been a transcendent prospect, but so far this year he has five catches for 43 yards. He hasn't played since mid-October. He suffered a hamstring injury week one of the college football season against Notre Dame, and he just has not recovered yet. Ohio State head coach Ryan Day said he's hoping but not expecting JSN to return this year. It'd be awesome if we got this guy back this week for Ohio State and Michigan. It just doesn't look like it's going to happen. If it were me and I was Jackson Smith and Jigba, I would shut myself down, let NFL teams go off of my sophomore tape, my sophomore production, where he outproduced Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave, who are both top 12 NFL draft picks. Both of those players look like studs in the NFL. So if they're studs in the NFL, that means Jackson Smith and Jigba, based on the Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase property, might actually be better than those two players. And they already look like great dynasty picks if you drafted Garrett Wilson or if you drafted Chris Olave. So it just sucks knowing that Jackson Smith and Jigba might have had a transcendent year, a Bolitnikoff, maybe Heisman caliber season if he had stayed healthy this year, if he had stayed on the field, because he would have been producing alongside Marvin Harrison and Amika Buka, who are both great players in their own right. And we could have seen him outproduce more elite prospects at wide receiver, just like he did last year with Olave and with Garrett Wilson. So Kayshawn Boutte is the most overrated of these prospects going forward for me right now, because Boutte had an unbelievable three game stretch to close his freshman season, which is where, you know, he had 27 catches, 500 yards, four touchdowns, including a 300 yard bowl game against Ole Miss. Since then, everybody's been high on him from a dynasty perspective, but he had an injury riddled 2021 season, although he was very good at the beginning of the year before he suffered that injury. And he's pretty much been an utter no-show this year. 38 catches, 388 yards, nine games played so far with just one touchdown. He definitely has some talent. When you watch him, you can see he's talented, but I think he's got to be more productive than he's been. His draft stock has fallen from like a top 10 pick coming into the season or early on in the season to more so like a late first round, early second round caliber prospect. And I think he probably should be even lower than that given how he's produced this year. I think he should be like a second or a third round pick in the actual NFL draft. The guy that has leapfrogged the tier two of wide receiver to jump into the tier one of wide receiver and is actually currently being drafted the highest out of all of these players in these mock drafts is Quinton Johnson. He's been the biggest riser of any wide receiver this year. We're talking about an early day two pick coming into the season. Just took off after a slow start, right? He started the first couple games pretty slow, but then he roared 
for 536 yards and four touchdowns over a four-game stretch before suffering an ankle injury against Texas Tech a couple weeks ago. It's hampered him for a few games, but he still looks pretty solid nonetheless. He's risen all the way to the wide receiver one off the board in most of these mock drafts. I personally would still take Jordan Addison and uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba over him, but he would be my clear wide receiver three behind those guys in my rankings right now. So, so far, the tier one of wide receivers, the stock's been down slightly, but it's not hopeless, right? The stock's down on Jackson Smith and Jigba because of the injuries. It's down on Kayshawn Boutte because of the lack of production. But Johnston's been good, so that makes the group a little bit better. Addison's been good, so that makes the group good. But, you know, overall, we do have more question marks than we did coming into the season. The tier two of wide receivers, in my opinion, is where this wide receiver class doesn't really hold a candle to last year's or to the year before's because the tier two guys are not quite as strong as last year's class. If we think of Jamison Williams, Chris Olave, Jahan Dotson, Sky Moore, Christian Watson, George Pickens types, those guys were better. There was more of them. Uh, than what we have in this year's class. And if we think that two years ago, we had Rashad Bateman, Elijah Moore, you know, maybe you grouped Jalen Waddle into that uh, area as well. I would say this class is just a little light on the tier two or tier three wide receiver prospects. Right now, it's pretty much Josh Downs, Jalen Hyatt, Xavier Hutchinson, Rasheed Rice. So Josh Downs from UNC, Jalen Hyatt from Tennessee, Xavier Hutchinson from Iowa State, and Rasheed Rice from SMU. I'm just going to quickly touch on all four of these guys. Josh Downs is small, but he's got a great like early round two type of profile. 101 catches, 1,335, and eight touchdowns last year with Sam Howell. Drake May comes in, who's a you know sophomore phenom quarterback. He's going to be drafted very highly in 2024. And we got 77 catches for 878 and 11 touchdowns so far this year. 23.27% target share, 91 targets, seventh in PFF receiving grade, 89.3. Josh Downs, a rock solid you know early second round. Uh, rookie pick type of guy. Jalen Hyatt came out of nowhere with Tennessee, right? Hendon Hooker was having a great season. Jalen Hyatt was along for the ride. 23% target share, huge performances against great teams. Six for 207 and five touchdowns against Alabama and five for 138 and two touchdowns against Kentucky. Jalen Hyatt's going to be a guy that the NFL likes because, you know, he's fast, right? They like speed and he's a fast player, probably one of the fastest players in the NFL draft of the skill position group. So he's definitely going to be a guy, you know, fits his way into the mid to late second round of rookie drafts. Xavier Hutchinson of Iowa uh, Iowa State has been extremely, extremely productive in 2022, which is what you guys know I love about wide receiver prospects. Highest graded wide receiver in the country right now, according to PFF, 90.5 PFF receiving grade, 35% target share, 154 targets, 105 receptions, 1,160 yards and six touchdowns for Iowa State. Right now, not getting crazy, crazy draft capital buzz. Still going in like projected in the fifth round, according to the NFL mock draft database. But he has creeped his way into the top 100 here and there. Best rank overall being 71st. If he can get second or third round draft capital, he's definitely going to be interesting. Then Rasheed Rice from SMU. Senior who kind of came out of nowhere, but he's been very productive this year. 32% target share, 1,208 yards and nine touchdowns. This tier, like I said, the overall overwhelming consensus for me of this tier is that it's not as strong as previous years, which is why this wide receiver class is not as good as last year's. It's not as good as the year before us either, and definitely not as good as 2020. So it could be a huge development for the depth of this class, the way that the this middle tier of wide receivers produce for the rest of the year. There's some solid guys in the middle rounds, but these are mostly dudes that I'm going to be drafting in rounds three, you know, late round two, and then some of these guys in the fourth round as well that you guys can see on the screen with Cedric Tillman and Parker Washington and Zay Flowers and Marvin Mims and all these guys here. I just say stock about neutral for this wide receiver class, probably slightly stock down. The high-end talent is solid. Like I said, the depth is solid. It's just really the lack of tier two wide receivers. That's the issue. Probably not going to get quite the steals that we were getting in recent years, right? I'm sure a lot of you guys got like 204 Elijah Moore or like 203 T Higgins, 204 Michael Pittman Jr. 
a couple of years ago. I doubt we're going to see players like that going that late in the draft. But, you know, if the running back class is as good as I think it is, the quarterbacks maybe upgrade a little bit and get some high draft capital, then it is going to push wide receivers down the board. So quickly, I'm going to cover the tight end class because there's not a lot to talk about, but it still is Michael Mayer and everybody else. But there is some guys emerging. Michael Mayer is the best tight end in the class. He's going to be, you know, in tight end premium leagues, a guy that you want to target with a mid to late first round pick, early second round pick and non-tight end premiums, I would say. With Michael Mayer, you got a 33% target share tight end right now. 711 yards, seven touchdowns for Notre Dame. He's the highest graded tight end in the country, according to Pro Football Focus. A guy that you're going to spend, you know, a late first round pick on in a tight end premium and an early second round pick on in a non-tight end premium. He's just a rock solid tight end prospect. Think like Pat Fryermuth plus or like Mark Andrews light kind of uh, player. Darnell Washington from Georgia has been the consensus tight end two in the class right now. He's the fourth highest tight end graded in the country. 1.91 yards per route run. He's a towering six foot seven, 265 pounds. He's definitely probably going to test well as well. I've seen him, you know, mocked in the late first round, early second round here and there. He definitely makes this tight end class more interesting if he gets high draft capital. And then Dalton Kincaid, who I've seen is probably the consensus tight end three. He's another interesting like tier two tight end in this class. Six foot four, 242, 91.0. PFF receiving grade, which is the highest receiving grade in the country right now, 23.4% target share, 748 and seven touchdowns on the season. A guy that'll probably figure his way into the like, you know, early third round, late second round of the actual NFL draft, maybe along the like Greg Dolchich, Trey McBride type of territory, as far as how good of a prospect he is. I would say the tight end class is solid overall. It's better than last year's as well because of Michael Mayer being in the class. And he's a top six to eight dynasty tight end as of right now, potentially even higher depending on where he goes and how high he gets drafted. And then these two guys that I just talked about can be top 12 to 15 type of tight ends. The second that they get drafted and likely will be available at a discount. You'll probably get, like I said, late first, early second round, Michael Mayer in most of your rookie drafts, late second, mid third round type of area on Darnell Washington and Dalton Kincaid. Uh, in your rookie drafts as well. So general takeaway from this video, I would say, is that if you got high, high end first round picks, you got, you know, the ones that's going to get you Bijan, it's going to get you Stroud, it's going to get you Young, or it's going to get you Jameer Gibbs or Sean Tucker, you're sitting pretty right now. Your mid first round picks, your rookie wide receivers are looking pretty good. The wide, uh, the running back class looks pretty deep. If you're looking for a quarterback towards the end of the first round, it's probably not going to be great right now. But the late first round, early second round, mid second round type of area is going to be very rich with a ton of great running back prospects, a couple good wide receivers here and there. Michael Mayer, who's a great tight end prospect and maybe a quarterback here and there. So overall, I would say the 2023 class looks quite solid, 15 to 20 prospects deep uh, of you know late first round caliber or better type of players. Definitely stock up overall on your 2023 draft picks. If you guys enjoyed this video, leave a like down below. Subscribe to the channel if you are new as well. If you guys want more Dynasty advice, more rookie advice, you know, Dynasty decisions, the series we do over here, you can get first priority for that series by going over to patreon.com forward slash fantasy stock exchange over there. You also get access to our dynasty rankings manifesto, which is where we have these 2023 prospects ranked and as well, all of our other dynasty rankings and all that good stuff, dynasty, you know, cheat sheets and my, you know, historical grades database and all that stuff that you could use for dynasty fantasy football over there on Patreon. So check that out link down below in the pinned comment. But with that being said, peace out guys. And I'll talk to you soon. Why are you